Hey everyone and welcome to the Phineas Club. This is episode 123 for February 2019. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Phineas Club. In this show, what we do is that we get people from different countries, different parts of the world. We get together and we talk about what's been happening in our, well, I was going to say lives. I guess part of it is that, but also what's been happening in our countries and in the world in general. And uh, we get different perspectives, different angles, different cultural backgrounds interpreting the events of the world. Hopefully uh, you get something out of it. We get fun out of it. Well, hmm, fun is the hope. Uh, sometimes it's terrible depression and darkness. Uh, we'll see what this episode has in store for us. Uh, it's a surprise every time. First, let me welcome the guests. Uh, as I said, my name is Patrick Beja and I am from France. I am currently living in Finland. Um, you also have in this episode the return, the triumphant return of Marlene from uh, the Netherlands. How's it going, Marlene? It's been forever. Yes, it has been forever indeed. Um, all is uh, well. So, yeah, looking forward to the show. <laughs> All is well. I guess that's uh, as long as it's not, uh, no, everything is terrible. I think we should be happy. <laughs> so, well, you know, we still have populism, populism and the extreme right on the right. So everything is well up to a point. Okay, that's that's more likely, uh, that's more akin to what I was expecting. <laughs> um, <laughs> we also uh, have Wendy back on the show. Wendy is, uh, so... Previously from Sweden uh, and now back in the U.S. Yes, hello. <laughs> I, I see that you are also unhappy about your current circumstances. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's good and bad. It's a, it's, it's a mixed bag, um, but I don't know, you know, there's some cold weather over here. So I, I feel like I'm sort of still in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, you, you basically moved back to the Sweden of the US. So yeah. I can understand. Well, I'll, I'll ask you a ton of things about that in just a little bit. Um, but first, let me welcome the third uh, co-host on the show. Dan Campos is back from uh, Mexico. How's it going, sir? Hi there. Uh, well, I am uh, pretty much ready for this show and uh, also ready to discuss uh, because this seems to be perhaps the best of times and for some maybe the worst of times. I say <laughs> that we are living interesting times, so we're ready to discuss about that. All right. Let's talk about interesting times indeed. And uh, before we do, though, I do want to thank and salute the heroes of this episode who uh, woke up at 5 a.m. in the morning to be on the show, namely Wendy and Dan. Thank you so much. Uh, I raise my glass to your health. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I guess I am so curious about what happened with you, Wendy, that I'm going to start with you, if that's okay. Sure. Um, so you were kind of the other person on uh, the show that was defending the ideals of... Um, uh, social democracy in Europe and in Northern Europe and saying how good it was and how great it was and how well it worked. And now you've left. You've abandoned <laughs> me. What happened? I know. I know. First of all, I still 
absolutely believe in those things and will defend them to my death. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it had a lot more to do with the reality of spending the first 35 years of your life in the United States. So all of our sort of building up of, you know, ability to live life was done here. And so, you know, we moved to Sweden. Um, my husband got a master's degree there. And unlike every student he knew, he had to pay for his schooling. <laughs> um, so right there was a big chunk of savings. And then, um, yeah, just you're, it was expensive. It was really hard to afford a house. We have four kids, so it's a lot of us. Mm. And so we could hardly find housing. And, you know, when we did, it was, it was, it was camping. It was fun. I loved it. We had all of us <laughs> in one bathroom for a while. So, um, uh, you spent, yeah. you spent what, three years there? Four. Yeah. Four. Four years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we really debated, I mean, really, truly debated, but when it came down to, you know, and, and how it works in the States is you sort of build credit over time and then a, a bank will loan you money to buy a house, you know, and you have to save so much to do that. It's kind of, you know, we know how that works and that's how we have done it. And we get there and they're like, well, it's very different and we don't know who you are. So it's as if we were, you know, 17. <laughs> <laughs> so that made it a little tough. And then, you know, timing with kids. I remember actually, Patrick, I believe it was you at Nerdtacular one year, you had talked to me about when you, you were, you were 13 or something when your parents moved you Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah, okay. we we, we spent said, a year in Cyprus and a year in Lebanon, and it wasn't easy. That's right. And you had said, "Don't ever do that to your children." <laughs> and you were in the back of my head when we were about to make that decision this spring, because um, our son is thirteen, turned thirteen in the summer, and I was like, "We are dooming him. <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> terrible." Well, I I, okay. I don't know. I mean, I think it's different when you go back to the place where you're from. Um, right. And even though I am actually from that neighborhood, uh, I hadn't known it for all my life. So I think it was different. Right. But, uh, right. And my kids have been really funny. They're mm. they you know, they've never met Trump supporters before in their lives. And so they are <laughs> having all sorts of interactions they they never thought they would. And they've made a lot of comments like, you know, Americans do this. And, you know, oh, really? That's how they still see the world. <laughs> and it's pretty funny. And it's true, Americans do weird stuff. And so in their minds, they're kind of too cultured now. And uh, and yeah, it's also very familiar and the language, of course, is easy. And so it's been a good move. And, and we chose Minnesota. So my husband actually still works for this company in Sweden that he worked for before. Um, and I can kind of work from anywhere. So we just threw a dart at the map and chose, the, we tried to choose the Sweden of America, which this is where the Swedes stopped when they immigrated here. They came <laughs> here. And it's because of the lakes. There's lakes everywhere. And that's how Sweden is. So there's that. Plus, you know, they've they've created quite the functional community here. So we are we are benefiting from the, the Swedish ancestry, at least. And I mean, it's not just about the weather. Uh, we were joking before we started recording that they there's uh, some kind of healthcare system as well. There's some social safety nets uh, in Minnesota. There Minnesota. are. There are in the sense of it's it's a state that's just run well. And and I I will, you know, let's get political real fast is <laughs> it is a purple state, which is why we chose it. I don't want to live where everyone believes all the same thing. And here you've got a good mix of both liberal and conservatives and, you know, very polite. <laughs> everyone is very nice. 
So, you know, well, there is the When conflict. it's your neighbors that you, that's kind of what we try to do on the show, get you to actually talk to the people that think differently. But I think when it's your neighbors and people that you interact with all the time, it's kind of difficult to be as antagonistic as people often are in the media or on social media, I guess. Right. And, and I have asked a few friends here, like, how do you know how to talk about it or how does it get brought up? And, you know, and there's just a general overlying politeness that is expected mm. It's like we're the we're like the American Canadians. <laughs> um, and my my son said, he said Minnesotans are like Canadians with guns. <laughs> um, so we do not have this the this sort of healthcare safety net that you would be thinking of, but mm -hmm. it, we have a pretty functional version. Um, and you know, Obamacare has really benefited my experience as I skipped all Obamacare and I came back and had to buy my own insurance here and. Mm. And it's expensive, um, but sort of Minnesota has made a bunch of rules that uh, make sure that kids have coverage and dental care and some other oh, stuff. That I have expected you to say I, they've made a bunch of rules to make sure that kids have guns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know, go that route. No. You know, I've been thinking for a while, I would love to do a special episode on um, expatriates. And, and people who experience different cultures and, and who maybe even come back to where they were from um, and how they, they see the world differently or their, their uh, country differently after that. I think that's uh, an interesting um, thing to discuss. Maybe we should do something like that in the next few yeah. months. I have lots uh, of thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. And I do as well. And many people who have been on the show uh, have had those sorts of experiences. So... Uh, let's think about that for a future show. But since you're already, oh, we're already uh, uh, talking, Wendy. Let's go with your local stories, or you know, what's, whatever has been making the news in the Sweden of the of uh, America. Um, <laughs> what's up in the U.S. or in Minnesota? Well, it's um, it's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, and maybe no one sat paying attention or worried about us over here, but we have definitely had a crazy cold winter. Now, for us, of course, we're like, okay, is this how it is here? And because you know we've never actually lived here. Um, we did live in Vermont uh, many years ago, and that place is just real. That's real winter. So, <laughs> so I'm going to talk in Fahrenheit here, but uh, for those who need Celsius, I can do that as well. But negative forty is where Celsius and Fahrenheit meet. Okay. And uh, this January, end of January, we had four days that we called it the polar vortex. Um, and it's where this these polar winds blow down and they kind of just go right. It's kind of like a knife going right through the center of the U.S. and makes this V shape and all the way down to the south. So there was, you know, some freezing temperatures in Florida and, and Georgia. And, you know, and that's where the crops all die when it gets too cold. Mm. And, um, yeah, so it was minus... 46. Jesus. Um, yeah. So it was pretty crazy. So we did lots of fun experiments. You, you can boil water, take it outside, throw <laughs> it straight up in the air and it evaporates immediately. It's amazing. <laughs> and that's the extent of how fun it is. Um, yeah. So that is a thing. And it's kind of, we have another week of it hitting and, and these are temperatures that are sort of minus 20, 25 degrees Fahrenheit, um, lower than typical so we really are having a weird um, winter. So it is a, it's a thing. And I think it's starting to affect, like we had snow in Hawaii a little bit where there's never been snow before. Um, 
blanket of snow in Seattle, which is very uncommon. Uh, a couple other places that just don't ever, ever see snow. Up here, I think it's just normal. Everyone's like, oh, it's a Tuesday. Yeah. So, not I a guess, big deal. You know, I'm sure that Dan and even Marlene, to an extent, are hearing this and going like, this is like the moon. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. It's funny because we also had, it's my first full winter in countryside Finland. And thankfully, it let up in February, which was earlier than previous years. But if it hadn't, I've been complaining about this on Twitter, uh, it would probably have been one of the snowiest uh, winters in recorded history. January was the most snow the country had ever seen uh, in a month of January. So it was crazy. It was we had minus 20 degrees centigrade, uh, which is pretty darn cold, not minus 40, <laughs> um, but pretty cold for, I guess, a week. But it was hovering between minus 10 and minus 20 for a good while. And mostly it was the snow that kept falling to the point that maybe I've mentioned it on the, on the show. It's I've never experienced snow not melting um, like it, it falls. <laughs> yeah. And there it stays, you know? It, <laughs> and so you have to put it somewhere. It's, yeah. And at some point, you don't have any more room for the snow and it keeps falling. It was getting like to be a real concern at some point, but thankfully it started uh, getting a little bit warmer. But the point I was going to make is um, it's also the first time I've experienced this. So for me, it's like, all right, I guess that's how winters are around these parts. <laughs> um, but apparently it's not always that bad. So I have hope for next um, next year. But um, yeah, I guess it was a little bit of the same experience for you. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, this is funny because I think weather has a lot to do with why Scandinavia works the way it does. <laughs> At least that's no, my I theory. I, I, I have uh, a friend who works for the UN and they've done actually quite a bit of research on climate and how it impacts various um mm. countries and sort of behavior human behavior and we know a right. lot about you have to work together or you're screwed yeah. essentially exactly you'll you'll be dead and if yeah. you don't prep and you don't think things through you're gonna all die you know yeah. together so i think there, there's some re relatability there with minnesota i think you know you really would die like they the, you have to take care of your homeless um, here in a, in a very different way, or there would be just dead frozen bodies everywhere. Like mm. you can't ignore that problem. Like you can probably get away with in California, mm. um, and other places. So it, it's funny because the local news in Sweden feels very similar to the local news here. It's, uh, you know, like I just pulled up, what is the most recent news? And it's like world record for longest ice hockey pass is set. In the state of Minnesota, <laughs> stuff like that, or like, hey, snowplow workers are working overtime because of snow, yeah. or um, and, and and things that are very civic-minded, like you know, we're gonna create a better immigration immigrant defense fund. These two counties, I mean, it's very, um, you know, very, it's very Swedish actually. It's great. Yeah. So no, it's interesting. Like local, yeah. local stuff is fun. National stuff, ugh, it's, mm. that's another story. <laughs> Do you want to discuss it or should we keep it for another time? I guess it's it's the thing is, it feels very similar. I don't know that it would bring anything to the table to talk about all of this again, but I don't know. It's your call. Well, and maybe it'd be interesting to hear from the three of you what you think about um, 
maybe as a as a bigger picture of like just as as a main like diet in the U.S. is what is mm. Trump doing constantly? What so, illegal activity of people in his close circle? You know that type of thing. I just wonder what do you guys think of all that? Yeah, I think so. I'll I'll go to Dan and Marlene in a second. For me, it it's getting a little bit tiring. Um, uh, of course, there's the uh, you know Trump and Un meeting that's happening in a couple of days. We've heard about that a lot. Um, but all of the investigations and uh, testimonies and all of that, which seem to reveal more and more levels of illegal, questionable behavior, it's kind of all right. I think we get it, and I'm I, at this point. I'm waiting for the final. This is what happened. This is how it turns out. This is what was illegal. This is what wasn't. Um, because my filter is social media, and yeah. on social media, essentially. Every weekend, it's like, did you see this incredibly uh, <laughs> impeachment? Like, oh, that's it. We're going to. And I'm like, all right. Is it like like that every weekend? I, I get that there's bad stuff and probably re actually illegal stuff, act actionable, condemnable stuff happening. But I don't know. It's it's uh, as it does on everyone. It's wearing on me a little bit. Dan, what, what do you think? Are you hearing about all of this as well? Yeah, it actually uh, perhaps is not as uh, as on the news as it used to be when uh, Trump uh, first came to the presidency in the U.S. But it's also similar to what you mentioned, Patrick, where we're kind of tired about that. And also because it reflects in a way what is also happening in our country. So it's like, oh, yes, we have problems of corruption, of uh, uh, shady deals or stuff that perhaps shouldn't be happening with a governor uh, that it's uh, working at, uh, in the United States. Oh, same like it's exactly the same that we're having right now in here. And um, in uh, some particular situations, for example, the trade deals, that it's one of the constants that uh, have been um, perhaps more, more in the news in here uh, when it comes to the, the, to the United States, uh, because it affects uh, the most, uh, all, the, all the deals and uh, the aftermath, perhaps, of the NAFTA renewal. It's mm. uh, something that it's more, uh, in this case, more important for us, because the rest is like, well, yeah. Uh, we it's also very local to the U.S., yeah. Exactly, at, yeah. at least in this uh, particular situation. Yeah, it does feel like, I mean, I, it's not to diminish the issues that are being presented, but it and, and it does feel like maybe some of those things, if they had happened under a different presidency, would have led to more, uh, mm -hmm. uh, more maybe even outrage <laughs> um, and definitely more uh, judicial action. But it's also like, well, the investigations aren't over. So by the time they're over, maybe it will lead to that. Uh, but yeah. Marlene, what about you? Is it also, yeah, business as usual for the crazy U.S.? Uh, I think that, I think there's there's two. Uh, we have two flavors of more of the same. There's no end to this story. And one of them is uh, indeed um, basically any story about investigations into Trump, because by now we're like, so it's been proven that, you know, bad stuff happened. So now, so now, now more investigations. Okay, more investigations. Um, and then the other, um, the other thing that um, that is the the endless continuing story is the Brexit story. Right, I think, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've heard about this a lot. I think in this instance, we were talking about the 
the U.S. specifically and the investigations into the Trump campaigns. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it's uh, more of the same. I think that's the feeling for everyone. Yeah. Wendy, the, the investigation isn't over, right? It hasn't released its conclusion. Mueller is still no. working. Mm. No, and, and I think, and this is where, uh, you know, the perspective from the outside, I think, um, would drive me crazy. I, I, I can imagine just like enough of this and how are you guys all this corrupt and what is the deal, right? Um, but an insider perspective and living here, it's interesting. Um, again, just sort of like, people have to get on with their lives and they do, but there's this overarching feeling of like, just nobody is trustworthy mm. and anyone. And, and I think ultimately the psychology of what Trump has created is incredibly important for everyone to sort of understand. And especially for Americans. I mean, we're, we, we sort of are living the life of the abused partner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where we're, mm. we get smacked around a lot and then, and and sort of the idea that justice will ever be served is dangled in front of us and and that you know order will be restored is 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 not there and so i think you know we sort of are exhausted and act like it um but i but i i think one of the things that trump does in particular and you know if any other president in history had this many people around him who had felony convictions not just are accused but i mean it's unreal um, you know, Nixon, he was, he was the guy that was a couple bad eggs with him and that was a, it. And it took years for that investigation to be completed. So I think part of it is our quickness of expecting results, um, is, is a, a little different, right? We want to hear now. And that's why you have article after article going, is this the time, you know, mm. because this investigation is, is way faster than any other in the history probably ever was and really complicated, and now the fight will be, is it going to be made public or not? So we have every step of the way, we've got way too many lawyers and we've got way too, you know. So so the satisfaction of the average person to, to find out what the truth is feels really elusive. And that is draining. It is draining. So do you so, think there will be a conclusion to this? Like, will it be made pu public? Or is there a date where we think, okay, you know, Mueller is going to work for another six months or is it going to be four years? Right. I, I, they, they're saying now we don't know, but what happens is the, the guy who was appointed to be the department of justice, the, the head, he determines if that report is leaked or, or leaked. I shouldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> uh, announced or not. And he is, you know, buddy, buddy with Trump. So, so mm. the corruption that's potentially there, all of the checks and balances, they do their job in theory, but it takes forever. And yeah, it's really, I feel like we all just need a a group hug and uh i don't know some time with our canadian friends i don't know we're we're really it's <laughs> hey, it pretty exhausting you were in sweden everything was <laughs> oh, actually yeah. maybe everything was not fine in sweden but uh yeah it was pretty good in sweden it was pretty good in, sweden. <laughs> I, in fact i looked up the news there i'm like what what is actually happening there and it's still just kind of fun and sweet and yeah they have mm. some problems of course you know yeah uh i i learned that i didn't know this but the the most isis members as citizen, European citizens come from Belgium and Sweden. So mm. that's that's the ugliest news I could find in Sweden. And that's the, there's a big uh, story about this, of course, which I think resonates with the U.S., is what do you do with the defeated ISIS members who right. want to come back to their countries that they left to fight the jihad, the holy war? Right. And, and no one wants them. 
And it's like, and we have a we have a lot of women who have joined yeah. ISIS. That's a really common thing from the states. So, and they yeah, had children, and it's like every country is trying to invoke some kind of ancestry that makes those uh, people not of that country to be able to say we don't want them here and it's complicated because at the same time some of them are showing no remorse they're like yeah i went to fight against you know the the corrupt western world and i'll do it again and they're like i under i i think it's probably the most humane human uh thing to do to bring them back and put them in prison probably but can you blame someone for saying it's probably best if you don't come back <laughs> i don't know <laughs> we need our own little island somewhere yeah yeah and, yeah because that's the thing <laughs> what do you do with them do you leave them like to be literally condemned to death in right. the country they're in uh even though they are actually a citizen of your own country i i don't know it's a complicated one and and one we could discuss for a long time but um Right. Okay. Well, thanks for the report on um, uh, America and Sweden and America in general. I'll I'll talk about France for just a second because it's very short. And I'm sorry I don't have a lot to report on um, because it's the continuation of what's been happening in the past few months. It's essentially the follow-up to the Gilets Jaunes movement and the continued distrust of the government who's trying to regain... Uh, uh, the, the, the love of the public opinion, trying to do it. It's difficult to evaluate because the voices you hear the most are, of course, the voices of the people who are unhappy. But we have uh, European elections in a couple of months here, and it's looking like the Gilets Jaunes uh, movement might have been uh, uh, just, obviously because it's disorganized, uh, disorderly enough that people have also lost trust in uh, some people, of course, not all of them. I, I think uh, a lot of people are still very much, uh, you know, in the vein of the Gilets Jaunes movement. But there's a lot of people who are also getting back to the government thinking, all right, that's kind of enough. Uh, we need the country to function. And it might show in the uh, as a surprise result in the European election. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the results of the Grand Débat, the great debate that I talked about last episode, will be uh, made public to in the month of March. So I think at that point, things will move uh, along a little bit. But for now, we're kind of this in this weird holding pattern where we don't quite know um, where we are beyond the fact that some people are very unhappy and we don't quite know how to fix it. So we'll see. Um, Dan, what's happening in Mexico? Um, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, we're living in interesting times. Uh, the previous time that I had the chance to be on, on the Phileas Club, we were uh, about to have uh, national elections in here. We were about to, to decide who was going to be the president for the country. And uh, the winner is uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, AMLO, um, as he's also known. And uh, he represents um, a constant fight against the status quo. To be quite honest, I, I wasn't really sure. I, actually, I expressed my skepticism for, for him to win. Uh, but he also represents the, let's say, like the anger of the people against the the project that was being developed by the previous administration. And it actually didn't help the people who is uh, who, who doesn't have as many money, as many resources as the higher classes. So uh, he won with uh, a, a big margin. 
um, and I'm, I am talking about uh, between 60 and 70 percent of the votes. That so oh, that's wow. the, the, the the cleanest elections that we have. That's also the 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 ones where the real majority voted for him. And I perfectly understand that we needed a change, a change. And he was uh, the person who was. Um, uh pretty much uh, with the flag of change uh uh and he was he has been promoting uh, this supposed change for at least 18 years and this is uh, where it comes uh, to be something interesting uh, in mexico um, well, sorry we let me interrupt you for just a second is there what kind of change is he uh talking about like it, are we seeing the same kind of movement we've seen in other places which is more popular classes uh uh feeling left uh you know feeling abandoned by uh the the enrichment of other classes of the the, the population and the world or is it something different it's uh, in that line exactly and i also mm -hmm. recommend strongly to the listeners to to check a previous episode particularly the one that you uh, are interviewing saul gonzalez uh, about venezuela mm. because that's actually uh, that uh, let's say that uh, we were in a similar position not the same uh, just a little bit similar to what uh, Venezuela was uh, like, uh, I don't know, like 12, uh, 15 years ago, where a change was needed. And uh, we had a figure that was representing this change. In, in that case was Chavez. Uh, I'm not uh, trying to establish a direct relationship between Chavez and AMLO, but uh, I am uh, you saying that they were representing the change that most of the people wanted to see. And, uh, for example, in Mexico, we had uh, one uh, main uh, party that was in government for about 70 years. Then it, uh, we changed to a different uh, party for 12 years. Then the original party came back for another six years. And uh, then uh, we have finally a change with uh, AMLO. Mm. I am mentioning this because, uh, for example, in uh, some other countries, we talk about the dictatorships. And in here in Mexico, after the Mexican Revolution, we pretty much had what uh, has been called by historians as the perfect dictatorship, because it meant that the same group of power was keeping the power, but they just change, uh, they, they, they just switch uh, the heads or the presidents, but the group remained the same. And that worked pretty much for 70 years. So then uh, we, we had a change with a party that was more related to the right. The original party was more like in the center. And uh, most of the people were, well, if the center didn't work and if the right didn't work, uh, let's move to the left. Um, AMLO, as I mentioned before, this this was the third time that he was uh, running for uh, uh, for president. Uh, the first two times uh, it was a, re a really close call, and there were some political mistakes actually made by by him. But in the third time, uh, he was also uh, using or abusing the system, because, for example, when you're running running for president, you usually have uh, uh, let's say like six months six months where you can uh, do uh, open campaign, uh, where you can uh, go traveling in the country and saying, well, you know, I am the best option. In his case, he was uh, the, the, the best known option because he has been candidate, as I mentioned before, for three times, three times. And during the last six years, instead of being part of a party, he created a movement. And uh, actually his party, and I am using uh, quotes in here, air quotes, uh, is not uh, actually uh, doesn't have even the word party in the name. It's uh, El Movimiento de uh, Renovación Nacional or National Renovation uh, Movement, as it's called. And it was pretty much created for him to run as, as president. It didn't have a, a structure. Uh, eventually, it, it gained some members of all parties. And uh, it's, uh, it's where it comes to be kind of inter uh, uh, funny in a way, because he accepted people from the, the bad government, the mafia of power, as he tends to call him, la mafia del poder in, in Spanish. So he accepted corrupt members of different parties 
to make his party bigger, to have more presence in different parts of the country. Uh, but he pretty much appeared in all the publicity for different candidates. So he has been running with his image for, for more than six years. So he had an extended campaign and that actually helped him to, to be more in the presence of, uh, of the mind so, of so uh, the voters. So he was partnering with people who were already in the public eye uh, by sort of tagging along in their campaigns and that would increase his visibility. And essentially it was him campaigning without campaigning. Yes, but also, uh, yeah, and I want to make, uh, uh, to clarify one point, uh, it's more like they were tagging along with him. If you ah. saw, for example, um, a candidate uh, advertisement, a candidate banner in a different state of the, of the country, you saw uh, at the left, yes, the picture of the candidate, uh, Juan Perez, just to say one name, a fictitious name, John Smith. And at the right, in the very same banner with a bigger, <laughs> a bigger picture, you saw AMLO. So it's like, okay, I'm going to vote for the smaller picture in the left, but he's representing the guy in the big picture on the right. Mm. And most of the people actually see as that. Uh, we had also different elections for different states and, uh, and municipalities in Mexico City. And most of the people uh, were following what we call the Efecto AMLO or, or the AMLO effect that is like, I'm going to vote just for the party because the leader of the party is this guy. I don't care if the other people, it's a corrupt person or something uh, or something that I really don't, don't care. Because, but he represents the party that it's uh, representing the member that it's uh, going but to bring change in Mexico. Is that illegal? You were saying it was bordering on illegal. Yes, because you cannot uh, do campaigning for, let's say, uh, longer than six months. And he was doing right. it for over six years. It's it's uh, perhaps uh, just a small mistake. I, I actually don't want to overblow that. But that's what helped him a lot uh, okay. to be in the presence so, of the mind. How long has he been uh, president now? Uh, he's uh, about to enter the 88, uh, he's about to go into 90 days, so... Uh, we, okay, we... so I guess it's still very early to be judging what's happened, but maybe you can tell us how the first three months have, have gone. Yeah, uh, uh, we have some things, and I, I mentioned at the beginning that perhaps we're living in the best of times or the worst of times, that mm -hmm. it, it all depends uh, who you ask. For most of the people, uh, he actually right now he has a rating approval uh, of 80 percent. It it actually grew, uh, grew from the voters, uh, and he has more acceptance from most of the people in the country. But if you ask, uh, let's say the 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 people who is uh, I don't want to use this word, but more informed, the people who know more about economics, who who actually read what he's proposing, that 20 percent. Perhaps it's a smaller percentage, but uh, they are actually getting stronger in the criticism of the measurements. Mm. And there are some reasons for you that. Seem, you seem to be dancing around the fact that you're not a fan. <laughs> no, and I, I say it publicly. I, I am not a fan, but I want to present uh, as close uh, to object, objective opinion in this case. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I no, am openly fair. against him. So, so, so that's, why? That's not Just secret. Tell us, tell us what, you, what you think he's not doing right. Uh, okay, and, so and maybe what you think he might be doing right, if there are some things you think. I don't want to, you know, cast a <laughs> <laughs> negative light no, uh, a priori. Don't worry, and he actually has done uh, a lot of stuff right. For example, he has elected a uh, person for uh, public positions in the government that are actually the people that know the most uh, about uh, different topics. But he also has elected some, some people that are not, um, let's say, the, the best fitted for a lot of departments. Uh, some of the examples that happened during the last month, for example, we have the CONACID, which is an organization that is in charge of uh, technological and scientific projects here in Mexico. 
And um, in there, uh, there were a couple of positions that were filled uh, with people that are not, uh, that, that are, let's say, like uh, more in, in, in the line of the president, but they're not uh, the ones who have the best knowledge for the positions. The, two of those positions were uh, one uh, filled for uh, one guy who actually didn't finish his studies. Uh, he was, uh, I don't know, like in the second or third semester of, uh, of, of his bachelor degree, uh, but he got a, a coordination of one of the departments. And a lot of people were like, okay, so he's getting a salary that is like, I don't know, like three times or two times better than most of the people. And he's not qualified for this position. Okay, perhaps it was a mistake or perhaps mm. he has different qualities that are not being reflected by the degrees that he has earned. But uh, they also had in a different department in the same Conacyt, uh, one person uh, whose only experience was that um, uh, she was a fashion designer. And she was in charge of one of the departments of science and technology. So there were some problems uh, in there. Uh, after this, this came to light, uh, the first guy that I mentioned, he quit. He said, like, okay, I don't want to be in any problem. I, I didn't want this charge, so I am going to leave. And in the, the second position, uh, they were like, okay, but she has a lot of experience. Yes, uh, Show me the it's, show me the money. Show, tell me <laughs> where is her experience? I, and uh, she actually was fired. Okay, all right, but that seems like you know, I, I don't want to be dismissive, but small instances <laughs> of corruption, right? Yes. It's not big it's, policies, or, yeah, yeah. But uh, that that is like uh, perhaps a small uh, small step. Um, we have three major instances and, um, th that came, for example, like uh, populist movements uh, from from the time that he came to power. Uh, he had very specific promises. For example, one of this of that um, was to cancel the airport that was being built at the time. And actually, I mentioned that in, in, the, in the previous episode that I have the chance to participate. Uh, but the, it was canceled uh, just because it represented the old government. Uh, it was going to bring a, a lot of improvements because the local airport that we have right now in Mexico City is insufficient. Uh, Mexico City is an area where it's really difficult to land a plane because we're all surrounded by mountains. So they're going to build a bigger uh, airport to, to improve this. He just pretty much said, okay, one of my promises is going to is uh, that I was going to cancel the, in here. However, I'm going to listen to the people. I'm going to listen to the Pueblo Sabio, as he says, the, the, the wise people. And he uh, made like um, a national poll, uh, which was with a lot of irregularities. It wasn't uh, directed or coordinated, but any of the official instances that we have, like the ones that run the elections, it was just elected by people who was in favor of of, uh, or, of his party. And uh, these elections were taking place in places where the majority of people uh, voted in favor of his party. So, for example, uh, you have elections uh, all around the country to vote about an airport that is going to be uh, to be built. Well, actually, it's already been built. It's, uh, mm. uh, it has a 30% of advantage. Uh, and uh, we're going to make a poll. And people from Tabasco, from Baja California, for a different part where we have a strong presence, are going to vote about this. And of course, he got the numbers because it was uh, a poll that was already pre-designed in his favor. After that, he made a so, different poll. Ah, sorry. I, I, you know, I uh -huh. again, I don't want to dismiss <laughs> your concerns. I'm, I'm curious if the other people on the show have the same impression as I do. And maybe that says something about the world we live in, but <laughs> it feels like when someone isn't saying, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about Brazil for a second, but like, we should kill black people in the street. 
then it's really not a big deal <laughs> what what you know the the scandal is and the impression i get basically if the people we don't like aren't trump or kim jong un or bolsonaro or people like that then it's like yeah you know he he's he's a politician whatever do 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 you feel that way, Marlene? Maybe I know you have your problems with your own uh, <laughs> populists at the moment, but I'm I'm listening to Dan, and I'm like, that doesn't seem like such a big deal. <laughs> I, I I don't um uh yeah it it does sound like in Dutch we would use the word it's a luxury problem to have mm. uh, if these are the kinds of scandals. On the other hand, I can imagine that. If you see that corruption is a really big issue, especially if really grotesque corruption, maybe like an issue elsewhere on your continent, I can imagine that signs of corruption, like they weigh heavier. I, I could imagine right. that, that that would have an impact. I don't know if it feels like that for you, Dan. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I could imagine <laughs> that sort of when it reeks of corruption, like this is not the road we want to go on. I especially when, that that sort of feels. especially when the guy is coming in saying we're going to change things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for example, just, uh, just to finish the, the previous point, and I mentioned yeah. the national polls because uh, we had the third one this last weekend. The second one was uh, for a project that the, the president was all in favor. So pretty much it was like, let's pretend that we're going to have a poll. He wanted the boats to get pretty much a train that is going to to go all around the southeast uh, southeastern part in the in the country, which is where most of the poverty is, and uh, pretty much went as he expected. Uh, he proposed to build the the, the train. The local uh, some people of the local communities were against it, but well, the majority won. And the last poll that we had uh, the last weekend was for the building of a thermoelectric plant in Morelos. And uh, as once again, the result was exactly what the president was uh, was expecting. However, it, it's kind of shady in the case that um, about one week before, the main opposite of this uh, plant that was actually built, that was a project from previous administrations, Samir Flores is his name, he was killed. And with kill, I mean like a couple yes. of people went uh, in front of his house and actually just uh, gun, gun him. This is a different part. I'm not. I'm not blaming the government about this. However, it's 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 kind of interesting. Uh, the the people who is in favor say, okay, perhaps it's part of the the members of the opposition that want to want him to have a bad image, and uh, it's actually a perfect perfectly valid uh, perfectly valid point in, in this case. However, it's kind of interesting how, how the information is being presented. Mm -hmm. uh, just, when you just say, to finish the point, oh yeah. When you say polls, do you mean actual votes where you have voting stations and everyone goes to vote, or yes? It's, okay, well, so it's, every it's, week, every few weeks, there's a, a an actual vote on a referendum kind of thing. Yes, right? it's sort of a referendum, and I don't want to call it like that or like official elections uh, because he's not using the proper organism for 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 these uh, polls. And oh. as I mentioned, they, they, uh, I participated in the first two. Actually, I went to vote. I had to go. Uh, they give you a ballot, but uh, they, they don't even have a number in there. So if you want to check the votes, it's impossible. Uh, yeah. You can pretty much falsify the information, and perhaps that was missing when I was starting to tell about this, oh. uh, because it, it's it, those are the practices that the old system, that the old parties that I was mentioning were using. So yeah. if we are supposed to go uh, 
with the with the change if we're supposed to be his main uh, let's say his main point was that we're going to solve everything in mexico by fighting uh, the corruption what is the formula that you're going to do that to improve the people of, of uh, in the poorest areas well i don't know but we're going to fight the corrupt people and then you see that he's hiring people from the corrupt parties to have him in his party. I know that is politics, and you do, you have to to agree on a lot of points, and, and you have to to get the people who is who is the most valuable. Uh, but uh, you are doing some of the same practices that the other parties that you were criticizing uh, uh, were doing. And uh, this is the final point. Sorry if I am taking the mic uh, for too long. Is that, for example, he's supposed to represent change, and he has been fighting for so long for this change. And most of the proposals that he's uh, doing. Uh, are involving in taking the power of the different organizations, for example, the Supreme Court here in Mexico, and uh, having all in his favor. Some of the other uh, points that were being made actually uh, a couple of weeks ago and the last week we had the resolution is that we're going to have a civil guard, a civil army that is going to be fighting because the local police is insufficient to fight the problems that we have with drug lords. So uh, the first proposal was rejected for the opposition, but the majority of the people in the, in the Congress uh, is in the party of Morena. So, but he needed absolute majority. For the absolute ma majority in the Senate, he needed uh, nine, uh, nine uh, people to be in, on his side from the opposition. One day before the election was being made, nine people from from one of the other party, uh, the other parties from the PRD, El PRD, renounced their party and moved to the other uh, to the other party. So it's like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> we have the elections at the next day uh, for the civil guard. And uh, uh, they check the information. They they change a lot of, of the things because uh, we want more people, not use the army involved in this in this initiative. And actually, they did good uh, a lot of improvements on the law. And actually, all the parties voted for this. And you read the final draft of this, and, and it's like, okay, I am in favor of this. But the original proposal that the rest of the parties were against is not representing this. I am really glad that the representatives actually uh, had the, the the courage and did their work. And working in this, but for example, this kind of perhaps uh, nitpicking that I am doing with the, some of the situation doesn't speak really well about the uh, the, the, the rest yeah. of the movement. It's it's yeah, certainly... that I can I can see that. Go there's ahead, a lot Marley. of baggage. Well, I, I would. It appears that there's indeed a lot of baggage. So you know, it's it's not just these little signs. Like, well, they're just little signs. No, they stand for something much bigger and i can really understand the way you explain yeah. it i can really understand that it's more than that yeah yeah i have i have to agree that like especially the voting thing yeah. uh feels like wait you're like you're <laughs> this is serious stuff you have to be sure that things are controlled the way they should be otherwise that is the definition of corruption right or and know. also Perhaps we are not voting like uh, we're not having a Brexit vote because we're not voting in, in huge ch uh, world changing situations. We're not living. No, the, but if it's a Americas. referendum, it's a, it's a referendum and you're supposed to exactly. listen to the voice of the people. And yeah. it doesn't matter that it's for Brexit or, you know, what color should the car of the president be? If it's a referendum, it's the principle of the thing. You're doing an actual referendum. So. And also, uh, this this comes after you won in one of the cleanest elections. So why don't follow mm. that path? <laughs> mm. Okay, so that's pretty much what is happening in here. Yeah, that's 
I mean, it's not Brazil or uh, uh, Venezuela levels of concern, but I see where your concern is coming from. Um, yeah, the, the uh, sorry, just one, one final thing, and this is the real final. Uh, the opposition, the, the people at the right I say, are saying that this is how Venezuela started. I don't believe it. I don't believe it by far. Uh, perhaps we have some of these tiny problems that we have expressed uh, that we have to be checking in, in here. But also, uh, I, as I mentioned, never listen to the people who is in the extremes, neither in the right or the left. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I agree with that. I have to say, we're not hearing about Mexico at all in in France. No. Uh, you and, neither? And, and yeah. Not in Holland either, no. I'm <laughs> what sorry, about not the, in the Netherlands either. <laughs> what about the US? Is it like it's your neighbor? Yeah, well, we only talk about building a wall there. So, that's, <laughs> <laughs> so that's... We, we basically, and actually today, uh, this is horrible, but there, a study came out that showed that within the last three years, there's been 4,500 allegations of sexual abuse and harassment in the detaining centers along the border with kids. So we, yeah. uh, our news about Mexico is just how badly we treat them. So that's, mm. it's, it's terrible, but that is, that's what we hear is build a wall or wow, look what we're, how inhumane we are. So <laughs> one uh, of those two. Is the wall done? It, it feels like the government uh, uh, shutdown is over and he's not going to get his wall. <laughs> no, but he is, he has claimed it's a national emergency. Um, and, and, and just speaking to sort of this feeling that you were referring to with this leader who is claiming to create change and to do things differently and really you just see the same old stuff is is that core feeling of being lied to you know as humans we are evolved to have relationships with the person in front of us and when that person deceives us and gaslights us and tricks us and whatever it it really is a major rupture in our lives right and and now we have the whole world to look at and be um, lied to from. <laughs> so we have, we're not quite evolved to fully handle what that looks like. And so that feeling is so personal and painful and, and awful. And I think, you know, in the end, what happens, at least in my experience being back in the States, and, and I still have a little space of like, oh, these Americans. So it's kind of nice, but I think, it, I think it's going to go away. But anyway, this feeling of, so Trump's claiming it's a, a national emergency in the speech where he claimed or called for a national emergency. He literally said, I don't have to do this if you guys would just build my wall. It's like, that's not the definition of an emergency. <laughs> and so, you know, within all of that, so essentially what's happened is he has the power to do that. And then, but what, what he's done is he's going to divert all this funding to this wall away from military efforts, other places. That's where he'll get that emergency money. And, oh, it's and a he's, lot. So he's still going to do it by defunding oh, other yeah. things. No, I don't know if you've met him. He does not quit <laughs> without being arrested, I think. But anyway, so he, um, yeah, so that's what he's claiming. And so the the House um, has gotten enough votes and has essentially said no way because he's taking over their job, which is to decide the funding. Um, and so there will be so many lawsuits. And he said in his speech, I'm going to get sued like crazy, but I'm going to tell you right now, we elected a man who is not comfortable unless he's being sued a thousand times over like this, everything that works with normal people <coughs> the opposite for him. And so, yeah, so he's, he's going to try to, and he's thin skinned and conservative pundits said, you're a baby and you didn't promise the one thing you promised, which is the wall. And that's mm. why the government shut down. That's why he is, he's not going to give this up. Right. My hope is um, that it'll blow up and he won't win again. 
And if he doesn't win again, then you think the wall will go away. Right. I think here's the problem with the whole concept of the wall is there is a plenty of wall already existing. Um, the places that he wants to put it are places mountainous. You can't cross anyway. And the, the things he's claiming, the drugs or the criminals that get through, they go through ports of entry. No, no, I, 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 re no, I realize the wall is kind of stupid, but I'm, yeah. Well, What's and he does, he's a master manipulator in this sense. He'll say, well, the wall's already being built. And look, we've already got a bunch done. <laughs> a day before, he's like, we need a wall. So it, it doesn't, yeah. and the people who love him, it doesn't matter what he says. Mm. And, and I think that's the hard part for thinking people. They're sort of like, wait a minute, hold on, look at evidence. And they just want to believe what he says. So that's, that's. Uh, just uh, one, one. Uh, sorry, Patrick. Just one uh, really. I wanted point to ask here. you about the wall. Ah, but, sorry. Yeah, and the point that I wanted to make is that we are not paying for that wall. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, he has been insisting. <laughs> and, but, but, but that's the thing because uh, he's using federal fundings. He's funding uh, using, for example, maintenance uh, part of the budget for maintenance in, in in the so-called wall or the fence. But as uh, Wendy was telling, well, part of that that you are taking credit was already there. So in a way, for example, we had reports of uh, zombie deers in the southern part of the United States. So we were like, come on, please build a wall because we want to be protected from the zombie deers from the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we should make it mutually beneficial there. Yeah, and, exactly. and really technology and increased sort of pay for the, the people working right there, that's what stops the problems. And and then obviously taking care of these kids that have crossed alone. And, you know, I mean, it's just stupid use of money and he knows it. In fact, there's a video you could find that is amazing where he's at the border And he loves to have lots of guns and drugs on tables around him, you know, like, Wah. I mean, he's such a TV guy. It's so annoying. Anyway, and he's talking to someone about the wall and how it's like impenetrable and it's amazing. And the woman is just like deadpanned is like, well, actually, you can climb under it or you could probably get over it. You could also just cut it with a saw that you could buy at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if have you heard about El Chapo, who actually, uh, well, is going to be uh, moved to Alcatraz to to spend yes. life, a life sentence in there. Well, I don't know if have you heard, but he was an expert on building tunnels. So I don't know how much of a help will be a wall against <laughs> this kind of uh, organization. So. Right. Yeah, I think everyone agrees that the wall is probably not going to be... I, I I guess the argument is, yeah, but it will stop a little bit, which is better than nothing. And yeah, anyway. Um, all right. This is not the wall episode, but we're probably <laughs> all in agreement uh, about that <laughs> stupid wall. It's what I think what we would all agree on is that it's not worth it. Um, whether or not it's efficient or it would work a little bit or a lot, I think the amount of money that's going to be sunk into it is not worth it. All right. Anyway, uh, didn't if mean I, to, to if, Yeah, go ahead, Marlene. Yeah, I mean First of all, I I cannot believe that people can hear this man talk and and say that he represents strength or power. I mean, the only thing I can see when or or hear when I look at this man is he's a small child who cannot get over that he cannot get his way. It is incredible. And then on the other hand, I mean, the only thing that he wants a wall for and that <clears throat> I feel at least a part of the people that supported him wanting to build a wall for 
is to be able to say, you don't belong here. And you know, the, the world doesn't even have to be real because he can just say that. Mm. And that's, and, and I think, you know, because that's the same thing that we see in, in the uh, part of uh, the, the, the way, the role immigration played in the Brexit discussion. It's the same with populism on the rise in Europe. The only thing is symbol, symbolic politics to say, I look at you, I do not recognize myself in you, so that must mean that you do not belong here. So, really sad. Yes. Oh, I, while I agree with what you're saying, I, I also feel compelled to point out the fact that this is a way of looking at it that is extremely one-sided. Um, and it's my way of looking at it as well, but mm -hmm. it, it kind of simplifies the entire debate. Um, I think there are reasons, good or bad, to think about immigration. And the way you're portraying Definitely. it, the way you're portraying it is kind of dismissing the entire conversation about immigration. And I understand you're doing this because the way the conversation is being had in that instance and in many instances is deceptive. But I think that over the course of the 10 minutes, we've discussed this wall and we have kind of let ourselves slide into a very uh, tunnel vision view of the issue. Mm -hmm. Um and that's a function of the fact that we are all in agreement. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I also acknowledge the fact that that wall, I don't think, is a good idea. I acknowledge the fact that Trump is a, a, an angry child. Um, but there are some people who uh, think that some of the things he's saying make sense. And I think if you are willing to listen to it in the way that they do, it's not incoherent. He, there are some things, some frustrations that he's expressing that do make sense. And dismissing them as um, we have here in the past 10 minutes, I don't think are productive, not just because it's talking about something that is factually wrong, which it might be, uh, I think it is, but also because it, in the same fell swoop, dismisses the concerns and it says to the people who are concerned you are not important and your opinion doesn't matter and we kind of implicitly call them idiots and we've sort of you know uh, uh said this a little bit here and there and if this show has taught me anything it's that some people might not be as informed and some people like us might believe certain things but the, the, the feelings of uh, uh, the people who do vote for the Brexit or who do vote for Trump come from a, a, a place that is just as real as the, the, the place that our feelings come from. Um, and they're very often not as caricatural as we let ourselves picture them. Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm talking in general terms, but... It, it's so easy for us to slide into that because there's, I think, a lot of right in the way we talk about all of this. But we're throwing away the, the, the 
bits that make sense in the other side of the argument. And that's why the incredibly uh, adversarial conversations happen. Um, and I'm convinced, Marlene, that mm -hmm. if you had uh, uh, someone, of course, you know, there are, I'm going to use the term, there are the actual deplorables that we can't really have a conversation with. But I'm pretty certain that if you had a conversation with uh, someone normal who thinks the world might be a good idea, or at the very least that, you know, immigration has to come under control, etc., etc., I don't think you would be as vehement in your condemnation of all of this. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Well, let me, let me clarify, because it was um, lazy of me to put it that way. I should have explained more, like... I'm, I'm not, not trying to pick on you, by the way. I'm no, sorry no, to... No, I'm know, not pointing know, fingers, but I, I, we <laughs> no, all did I, it I, now I in this conversation. I, I realize what you're doing. I'm I'm not trying to say that there's no that there are no issues with immigration. And I'm definitely mm. do not want to say that people who honestly feel scared and people whose income hasn't risen, people who have ha uh, have trouble finding housing, um, who feel that uh, you know um, it, it, they don't have access to the things that they have a right to have access to. I'm not trying to say, and I realized that in putting it the way that I did just now, that was way too easy to read it that way. That's mm. definitely on me. Um, I don't mean to say that those feelings aren't real, because if you if you feel that way, those feelings are real. That that you know that that's the thing. Um, what I am trying to say is that especially the symbol of a wall, I think, um, because all of these, because all of these studies have shown that it just, you know, all the data that Wendy just, uh, just told us, the wall will not help. Mm. What it no, I agree. will do, what, what it will do is show that, you know, that, that people we associate with, uh, because it's the same with discussions about, um, you know, closing the borders and refugees, I think in uh, a lot of it in, in the Netherlands as well. We, we really need to wrap our heads around that we cannot decide on the way a person looks, that they obviously must not belong here. We really must yeah. get easy with a, with a society that looks different from just me, myself. I think there's a lot of that for sure in the the conversations we're having everywhere. That's that's. I, I think it's the expression that we see of the unease uh, in in all of our countries or most of our yeah. countries. Um, but I also, you know, if you asked someone, and <laughs> we do that on the show very often, but if you ask someone about that, they wouldn't. They would tell you obviously. I don't have a problem with the way people look. Again, if you accept the uh, uh, deplorables, that's not the issue. The issue is wider uh, it, with uh, uh, immigration. But th so the the quality of your of your uh, connection is a little bit off, Marlene. So it's a little bit hard oh, to sorry. hear you. But um, you know what? We could talk about this for a while. Let's since it's related, let's talk about what's been happening in the Netherlands because it also has a lot mm -hmm. to do with immigration. Is my understanding? Mm -hmm. Well, um, it, it's just uh, we also will have uh, on March twentieth. We will have new elections, not for the um, 
the like uh, the general government. We will have the states provincial elections, which is just like sort of um, in between the municipalities and uh, and the main government, so the provinces. Um, but together with that, we will have our elections. Oh, oh and I'm sorry, the states pro uh, provincial are important because those people elect the people that will sit in our Senate. Um, and that's why this discussion, um, or, or at least um, uh, the changing political landscape is relevant, because if we make very different decisions for these provincial uh, elections, they will elect different party members for the Senate. So the government will have a problem to get their new laws through the Senate. Mm. Is that clear? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing we will have elections for is a one of the oldest governmental parts in our country, which has sort of the worst name you can imagine because because they are called the water boards. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, which are, in fact, they, well, you know, the Dutch are a country. Uh, we have a long history of fighting the water. And um, uh, the oldest water boards, who are in fact uh, in charge of uh, water barriers, water quality, water levels, all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, in a country with so many polders as the Dutch, it's really quite important. Right. <laughs> um, and they're actually among the old. I, I looked it up. Uh, my water board uh, is, uh, was founded in the year 1319. Nice. So that's, that's really, and had, that has been a continual sort of, uh, governmental body. So that it really is important. Um, uh, it is also probably the election that has the, the most difficult time to get people to the voting booth <laughs> because it feels, you know, we're really used to, to that stuff just being managed. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> being managed. It is really Does not it sort of a does it get political on the water boards? It's never not going to be weird, by the way. On the water boards election, does it get political? Is is there like strong uh, uh, leftist and right wing leaning <laughs> personalities that think the way the water board should be managed should be different? I am going to be real honest. I haven't looked enough into it myself. <laughs> 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 I'm so sorry, I know, but that's the thing, you know, um, uh, it, it feels far away, but I, I, I do have the intention of, uh, of looking more into it. I mean, I know that it has to do, uh, so indeed, you know, with, uh, because it's also um, a different part of government. So uh, it's a, a different way we pay taxes as well, because obviously, you know, the dikes must be maintained. <laughs> that, that is clear to at least most people in the western right, country right, right. <laughs> um yeah. Uh, but yeah I, I think i, I think it's mostly uh, i think it's mostly about mm, about uh water and nature quality and uh <laughs> and also about um like uh uh, uh like transport by ship uh, uh, through, yeah. um, through no, the it's it's fine. You know, I think the the if you don't know everything, every little detail about the <laughs> water board, I'm surprised regular people vote on that. I, I would fig, you know, I would figure the government would manage it somehow, and you get your you know your management done through voting in the other type of elections. But 
Well, in that case, there is actually a very, very important reason why they're not, for, for example, not matched up with the pr provinces. Uh, and it is very interesting, I think, because it, it is also related to, you know, all these other border issues. Because this way of organizing it recognizes that natural borders and waterways do not match up with political boundaries. And hmm. that is the reason why they're organized in a different way. So in that case, I actually do think it's relevant. Interesting. Um, yeah. That's, that's, uh, uh, so it separates the power of, of management and of decision of the natural uh, uh, borders and the political borders. And that's an intentional political design. That's... Well, yeah, na natural borders only in the way where it means water, but then again, you know, the Dutch right. really <laughs> only have natural borders right, when right. it comes to water. So yeah. <laughs> um, however, okay. I was I'm 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 pretty um, offended that you have not caught on, Patrick, to uh, the big fight between the Dutch and the French. I actually have not heard of this. Uh, you messaged me <laughs> no. earlier. What is happening? What? Why are we angry at each other? I didn't realize. Yeah, no. So this is this is this is the perfect example of, of of exactly why the Dutch are so like, or I mean, you know, some in the Dutch government are so offended by the French because uh, so our our um, our Dutch um, uh, minister of finance was asked just this morning by a honest to god journalist a very serious question. So are you sure we are not fighting with the French? And uh, I, I came across the quote, and I thought it was just the, the perfect, the perfect topic for today, um, because um, you know we, the Dutch, are a trading nation. We are uh, very, very proud of of um, uh, of our, uh, uh, our our harbor in Rotterdam, and we are very, very proud of our airport in Amsterdam because it's a really, really important airport for all of Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, we have one major Dutch airline. It's called KLM, and it stands for the uh, uh, the Royal Airline, um, uh, which is they also have a crown in their logo because you know we are still a kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason is uh, a couple years ago, quite a few years ago, KLM merged with Air France. And um, it was always portrayed to the Dutch that this, this would be like a very equal, equal partnership between these two, two companies. Uh -huh. um, and um, the Dutch sold their, the, the Dutch state sold their shares, and the French didn't. And um, <laughs> so the Dutch sold their shares in KLM, and the Dutch, uh, the French didn't sell them in Air France. And just um, yesterday, it was announced that without informing. Uh, the French, um, secretly, the Dutch government had bought new shares in KLM um, because obviously they were such good buddies. Because that's <laughs> what you do. So does the Dutch government have an increased controlling interest in the company now? Not yet. Not yet. They, they formed. They have. Well, they have an increased interest because, if I understood correctly, they sold about everything. If I got that right, they so they secretly uh, they bought up. I think twelve point eight percent or something of the shares. Mm. Um, yeah, that's not insignificant. Have, yeah, that's not insignificant, especially when it says said. So this is what happened. 
and one hour before the press conference, they called uh, the uh, uh, Mark Rutte, our prime minister, called uh, uh, your head of government and our minister of finance called his French counterpart just one hour before the press conference um, to inform them of this fact. And during the press conference, they proclaimed that they now had 12.8% of the shares and they were intended to match, you know, to grow just a little, just to match the, the shares that the French government has. That's very cute. I'm sure it will work and, out fine. And, <laughs> and you haven't heard anything about it. And for weeks, like it has been like a major thing in, uh, <laughs> uh, in, in Dutch, Dutch news because apparently Air France, Air France had a new, um, uh, a, 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 a new um, CEO or something. And there was the question was, was the head of KLM allowed to remain the head of KLM? Um, and apparently there were, you know, there were suggestions that he should be, you know, moved to a different place or replaced by somebody, whatever. Um, and because, because Schiphol, I'm sorry, <clears throat> um, Amsterdam Airport, which we call Schiphol. Um, yeah, I've been there. Amsterdam it's Airport, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. It's a, it has apparently very good signage. People from all over the world come to Schiphol Airport to learn how to do readable uh, uh, legible <laughs> signage across airports. Hmm. So yeah, um, no, but uh, so so Schiphol Airport is the is sort of like the the home airport of KLM, um, and uh, uh, KLM. Uh, there was question if KLM was allowed to remain their own brand, and that really hurt in Holland. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really funny, you know. This is the kind of thing that we and I listen to uh, news reports. Maybe not every day, but a few times a week. And I have never heard about this story, ever. So maybe yeah. it was one of the days I missed, it's possible. But the more likely uh, situation is that we don't really care as much. <laughs> but No, uh, no, no. I'm sorry. It's different. Because I rem if I remember correctly, like years, years ago, when they announced this merger, I'm pretty sure... It was a surprise for everyone, uh, like like sort of uh, for everyone on the board of KLM as well as uh, like in the Dutch government that the new company wasn't even going to be called um, Air France KLM. It was just remain Air France, mm. and and the, sort of they found out during the press conference and they were like, but this was supposed to be an equal <laughs> partnership. Like yeah yeah, but we're all going to be called Air France. Yes, so, yeah, no, but and Air France will be a big family. Yeah. Listen, we're used to these kinds of, of getting people who maybe don't necessarily want to be French and telling them that they're French now, but like not really equal <laughs> type of French. We're used to French. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, You're, yeah. I, the the connection is is kind of bad, Marlene. I'm sorry. I think it's uh it, it's a little bit difficult to hear you as I was saying. Um, but thank you for these refreshing <laughs> bits of news. I was fully expecting you to rant about uh, uh, nationalism and the so sad state of the world. It turns out you're the only one who didn't. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's going to be it. Um, I, I do feel like I would want to talk about... Uh, 
other things and talk about the wall a little bit more, but maybe we've talked about it enough. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to end the show here. So thank you very much to Marlene, Dan, and Wendy for being on the show. Um, if people want to get more, let's say from uh, what is now has now been christened the Sweden of the US and uh, about <laughs> Wendy, where would they go, I wonder? Are you still maintaining that Instagram account? I am. So it's Wendy with an I, Dunford, and that's on Instagram. And then you can find my uh, therapeutic musings on um, therapythursdays.com. Excellent. Thank you very much. Dan, what about you? Uh, well, it's really the easiest way is just to find me on Twitter as Dan Campos. From there, you will find um, links to all the, the videos and shows that, that, that I do. And I just want to um, mention the, one of the latest where we uh, talk about the implications of what uh, it means uh, for, in this case, for Mexico, for the society, for the film industry. Uh, the the award ceremony that was with the Academy Awards, and uh, well, just one little tease, we actually talk about who was the real winner of the Cinematography Award, and it wasn't the one that was presented on, on the ceremony. So there you have it. You can Wait, follow that how? information. What? in. Oh, wow. Ah, that's that's just the tease. I can tell you, uh, <laughs> you as, after we finish the recording, or you okay. can uh, ask me about that in, in Twitter. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dan. Marlene, what about you? Do you have any any online place to uh, direct people? Um, I do. I'm on Twitter at Monxies, which is M O N X I E S, uh, which is probably impossible to understand with a bad connection, but I'm pretty sure you'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> yes, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> so thanks. And to I oh. promise that I do not only rant about populism, I also show pictures of awesome stuff I make, and <laughs> I have many conversations about Dungeons & Dragons because it's the most awesome hobby to have. Oh, really? <laughs> have you just started playing Dungeons & Dragons? or? No, no, for a couple of years, but tonight is my next session and I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I've been a, a Dungeons & Dragons player for a long time. I haven't played in a while, but it occupied a lot of my life. So I'm very glad that you can enjoy it too. Uh, and for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, the show is at frenchspin.com. You can go comment there uh, and let us know what you think about what we discussed. And... You can also support the show at patreon.com slash Club. The link is also in the show notes. If you enjoy the show, if you think it brings something to your life, consider giving us a couple of bucks. That would be very much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in um, a few weeks for another episode. Talk to you then. Bye.